Chapter 15 Chowder It was quite late in the evening when Little Moss came snugly to anchor, and Quigquag and I went ashore so we could attend to no business that day, at least none but a supper and a bed. The landlord of the Spouter Inn had recommended us to his cousin, Hosea Housey of the Tripots, whom he asserted to be the proprietor of one of the best-kept hotels in Nantucket, and moreover, he had assured us that his cousin Hosea, as he called him, was famous for his chowders. In short, he plainly hinted that we could not possibly do better than potluck at the tripots. But the directions he had given us about keeping a yellow warehouse on our starboard hand till we opened a white church to the larboard, and then keeping that on the larboard hand till we made a corner three points to the starboard, and that done, then asked the first man we met where the place was, these crooked directions of his very much puzzled us at first, especially as, at the outset, Quigquig insisted that the yellow warehouse on our first point of departure must be left on the larboard hand, whereas I understood Peter Coffin to say it was on the starboard. However, by dint of beating about a little dark and now and then knocking up a peaceable inhabitant to inquire the way, we at last came to something which there was no mistaking. Two enormous wooden pots painted black and suspended by ass's ears swung from the cross trees of an old topmast planted in front of an old doorway. The horns of the cross tree were sawed off on the other side, so that this topmast looked not a little like a gallows. Perhaps I was oversensitive to such an impression at the time, but I could not help staring at this gallows with a vague misgiving. A sort of crick was in my neck as I gazed up at the two remaining horns, yes, two of them, one for Quigquag and one for me. It's ominous, thinks I. A coffin my innkeeper upon landing in the first whaling pot, tombstone staring at me in the whaleman's chapel, and here a gallows, and a pair of prodigious black pots too, and these last throwing of oblique hints touching Tophet? I was called from these reflections by the sight of a freckled woman with yellow hair and a yellow gown, standing in the porch of the inn under a dull red lamp swinging there, and looked much like an injured eye, and carrying on a brisk scolding with a man in purple woolen shirt. "'Get along with ye,' she said to the man, "'or I'll be combing ye.' "'Come on, Quigquag,' said I. "'All right, there's Mrs. Hussey.' And so it turned out. Mr. Hosea Hussey, being from home, but leaving Mrs. Hussey entirely competent to attend to all his affairs. Upon making known our desires for a supper and a bed, Mrs. Hussey, postponing further scolding for the present, ushered us to a little room, and seating us at a table, spread with the relics of a recently concluded repast, turned round to us and said, Clam or cod? What about cods, ma'am? said I with much politeness. Clam or cod? she repeated. A clam for supper? A cold clam. Is that what you mean, Mrs. Husey? says I. But that's a rather cold and clammy reception in the winter time, ain't it, Mrs. Husey? But being in a great hurry to resume scolding the man in the purple shirt, who was waiting for it in the entry, and seeming to hear nothing but the word clam, Mrs. Husey hurried toward the open door leading to the kitchen, and bawling out, Clam for two, disappeared. Quigquag, said I, do you think that we can make a supper for us both on one clam? However, a warm, savory steam from the kitchen served to belie the apparent cheerless prospect before us. 
but when that smoking chowder came in, the mystery was delightfully explained. Oh, sweet friends, hearken to me. It was made a small, juicy clam, scarcely bigger than hazelnuts, mixed with pounded ship biscuits and salted pork cut up into little flakes, the whole enriched with butter and plentiful seasoned with pepper and salt. Our appetites being sharpened by the frosty voyage, and in particular Quigqueg, seeing his favorite fishing food before him, and the chowder being surpassingly excellent, we dispatched it to our great expedition. When leaning back a moment and bethinking me of Mrs. Husey's clam and cod announcement, I thought I would try a little experiment. Stepping to the kitchen door, I uttered the word cod with great emphasis and resumed my seat. In a few moments, the savory steam came forth again, but with a different flavor, and in a good time, a fine cod chowder was placed before us. We resumed business, and while playing our spoons in the bowl, thinks I to myself, I wonder now if this here has any effect on the head. What's the stultifying saying about chowder-headed people? But look, Quig-Quig, ain't that a live eel in your bowl? What's your harpoon? Fishiest of all fishy places was the tripods, which well deserved its name, for the pots there were always boiling chowders, chowder for breakfast, chowder for dinner, chowder for supper, till you began to look for fish bones coming through your clothes. The idea before the house was paved with clamshells. Mrs. Husey wore a polished necklace of codfish vertebra, and Hosea Husey had his account books bound in superior old shark skin. There was a fishy flavor to the milk, too, which I could not at all account for, till one morning, happening to take a stroll along the beach among the fishermen's boat, I saw Hosea's brindled cow feeding on fish remnants, and marching along the sand with each foot in the cod's decapitated head, looking very slipshod, I assure ye. Supper concluded, we received a lamp and directions from Mrs. Husey concerning the nearest way to bed but as Quig-Quag was about to precede me up the stairs, the lady reached forth her arm and demanded his harpoon. She allowed no harpoon in her chambers. Why not? said I. Every true whaleman sleeps with his harpoon, but why not? Because it's dangerous, says she. Ever since Stiggs, coming from that unforgiven voyage of his, when he was gone four years and a half, with only three barrels of isle, but found dead in my first floor back with his harpoon in his side, Ever since then, I allow no boarders to take such dangerous weapons in their rooms at night. So, Mr. Quigquig, she had learned his name, I will just take this here iron and keep it for you till the morning. But the chowder, clam or cod tomorrow for breakfast, men? Both, says I, and let's have a couple of smoked herring by way of variety. Thanks for listening to Moby Dick Pod. If you've liked what you've heard so far, consider subscribing or leaving us a rating on Apple Podcast. And as always, thanks for listening.